Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles, the international edition. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, and extremely in pain, New England's own Van Helsink. And with me across the pond is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Good evening. You don't sound very well. No, I'm in extreme pain. Wow, what's the matter? Oh, Tooth. Oh, tooth. Uh, oh is that still going on? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I thought you know, twenty twenty first century, first world, you know, America. Mm. Why are you suffering? I, I have to put a string around it and close the door or something. I would have thought you Americans would have had a phone app to have done all that. Yeah, I probably do. Anyways, you're listening to us live right here on uh, TojiNet, Pararex, uh, Planet Paranormal, Radio Crackle, and wherever else. So you've got a blog now. I do, I do, yes. Not only a blog, but after blagging me to do a web... Blagging is an English word, of course. Um, mm-hmm. To do my website. Oh, you need a website. You finally did one, and now you've added a blog. What's that all about? What do you mean? What's going I'm on? Moving forward. I'm moving forward. Welcome to the 21st century. Yeah, yeah. So, I will. So why, sure so why the blog? Tell us about the blog. So I can piss everybody off. What? That's the only reason. Oh yeah, yeah. Is there another? Uh, I, I just thought you know it's an extent a writing extension to you know the Ghost yeah, Chronicles it's actually the a blog. Everybody has been asking me about stuff and so I decided well what the hell why not so there you go so what what sort of things are we going to be able to see in the blog or read about whatever pops into my stupid little brain come on sell yourself sell yourself no no it's it is it's (laughs) going to be whatever I feel like it Uh, the one I wrote about is the ethical moral uh uh, what's the word? The ethics and the moral standards of uh, medium reporting certain things. So read the blog. You'll find out. I Anyways. have read the blog, but I'm trying to publish oh, the blog. No, whatever. Anyway, Anyways. anyway, I've got some. Before we get to the guest, I've got news too. Well, we got to talk in the second half of the show. We have plenty of time. Oh, all right then. Okay. So anyway, what do that to me? Without further ado, let me introduce to you a young lady who will be presenting at my paranormal study group tonight. Uh, she's a fellow ghost hunter who, you know, I know that you don't like equipment, Steve, uh, but she... What planet? What painkillers are you on? What are you talking about? You know I Anyways, don't like equipment. Without further ado, let me introduce to you Christy Paris. Christy, you there? Yes, I am. How are y'all doing? Hiya, Christy. I'm sorry about Ron. He's on some sort of powerful painkillers tonight. He's not quite himself. 
Uh, it's quite enjoyable, actually. Oh, there um, you go. I, I defer. I defer to. Uh, yeah, well, he's, he's, let's say he's on painkillers, and so I don't think he sounds quite right. I wish but, I was on painkillers. I have no painkillers. I'm dying here. Uh, do you want me to post you some? You know all the stuff. I mean, I've had you know cut fingers off. Had my chest cracked open. You know, emergency appendectomy. I never had pain like I've had for the last couple of days. So there you go. Anyway, so let's talk to Christy, not about my pain. Yeah. Well, you are a pain. So Christy. Christy. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) So anyways, Christy, uh, how long have you been ghost hunting, and why did you get involved in it? Well, um, I've been pretty steady at it for about 14 years. Um, The thing that really drew me into it was just a healthy curiosity and some personal experiences. Like most people who were in this field, something was a definitive moment um, where I had physical contact, uh, got a little hurt from it, and I needed to find out what was going on. You know, I had to put a label on it. I had to explain it. I had to figure out a logical reason why this was happening. And it just kind of spiraled into this uh, wonderful journey through the years of just studying and learning and evolving. And uh, you said you got hurt. I I was curious. My little ears perked up when I heard that. What what do you mean hurt? Physically? I mean uh, a physical blow, yeah. I was um, actually soaking in a tub, and the water was quite too warm, really, really hot. So I was just trying to let it cool down, and I was just barely sitting in the tub. And I felt a very cool breeze. To the side of my face so I turned to look at the breeze because uh, I thought it was the air conditioner and at that time I felt like the backhand go against my cheek and it literally hit me so hard that it it spun my head around and I had a bruise for about four days and at the time I was married so people were kind of questioning was my marriage healthy was he beating me <laughs> Nice, just you know, and it's right? kind of one of those things, you know, when it happens to you, you can't just go and talk to people about it because you don't understand it. So I kind of silently uh, dwelled on it for a long time. And it it really, even to this day, it's one of the most definitive moments, I think, that I've had. And, um, and it's also taught me a lesson uh, through the years that we're ultimately dealing with a human element here when we're going out and we're doing investigations and we're going into locations. And I try to take a very respectful approach to that. Um, And I hope, you know, through going out in the field and learning that the people that I come in contact with and meet along the way also understand and try to adopt a similar type um, way that they like to conduct their investigation processes. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you mentioned that, that, you know, the belief is that uh, spirits um, are, uh, are people too, because that, that is, um, what's the word I'm going to say? It, it's the, the su- subject. No, it's the subject of my blog, basically, is that, you know, <laughs> We've got all kinds of mediums out there telling whatever they want about these people who are dead, and they can't defend themselves. Uh, so, you know, what's the moral and the ethics of that? So, uh, yeah, I believe the same way. I, I believe that 
you know, we, we should uh, treat them with uh, respect when it's still. Let's face it, if, if somebody's hitting you, I don't think they deserve too much respect. <laughs> no, but they definitely woke me up because yeah. um, <laughs> after that experience, even though uh, people who had come into the home that I was living in kept telling me, there's something here, there's something here, I was very blind to it. I just kind of, I, I was so excited about living in this new home that I just completely pushed all of this aside and was just kind of in my own little element about how I'm going to redecorate this place and remodel this place. And I just tuned all of that out. And to me, it was a symbolic blow because it was kind of like, wake up, chick. We're here. Quit ignoring mm-hmm. Um and past that, it, it's been goes from ever since then. Hmm. So, so Steve, you, uh, I, I know that you, you often don't, yeah, you don't, you don't talk very, uh, what's the word, and glowing. You don't give glowing uh, criticism of uh, some of these ghost machines that are out there now. You, you, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Steve? Help me out here. Uh, I'm I'm you pragmatic. I, well, no, I, I'm honest and forthright and realistic about what they are and what they can do because my qualifications are in physical uh, measurements. Uh, that's what I'm trained in doing. That's what I'm qualified in doing. And I recognise that many of the devices that have come onto the market in recent years from companies like Paranologies and Digital Dowsing and uh, Ghost Augustine are, are they're just, I mean, it's just a money-making scheme. Uh, because they don't actually provide any usable information for the for the investigators. Well, the interesting thing that I well, the thing I find interesting is, is you got to understand how they work, and and of course, most people are very secretive about how their equipment works, especially if they design them and they're selling them. Uh, it, but it should be based on some type of, you know... Uh, well, the, the, well the, the, problem, the problem is the vast majority of them are based on something. I mean, if you take, uh, for example, the K2, uh, it's a perfectly good instrument for doing what the maker designed it to do, which is to give you, the user, an indication of the general levels of man-made electromagnetic fields from things like cellular towers... Uh, from microwave ovens, from normal emissions. Uh, It's when you start taking it away from... It's like using a car to sail the Atlantic. It's clearly not designed to do what what it was built to do, and ultimately it will not really deliver. (laughs) You can make it float, but it's not going to drive. So let's hear a little bit about some of the equipment that uh, Chrissy came up with. And first of all, Chrissy, why design your own equipment when there's so much other crap out there? Well, I own a lot of that other crap. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I do, and I have to understand it because that's part of what makes you a very effective researcher. And like, you have to understand the inner workings and what triggers that device to do what, and what gives you the false readings and things like that. And I've noticed that through the years, I've just kind of gravitated where I still use it to a degree. But I've kind of gravitated in a different direction to where I try to make a more personal connection with what's happening there and not necessarily a techie connection anymore. Um, one One of the things that fascinated me for years was the fact that you could hear footsteps. 
And there was an old school technique that's still being practiced today to where people take something very light like flour or baby powder or something and they sprinkle it on the surface of the floor where the claimed footsteps are happening to try to capture evidence that they're actually physically tracing or walking through that area. But you and I both know that that's not really a practical way. When we go into a historical site, we're not going to sprinkle powder all over the place. We need to keep something neat, clean, but yet walk away with some kind of piece of incredible evidence at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to sit there and you don't want to have to watch that spot on the floor to wait for it to appear. So one of the one of the first things that I built that I spent months on trying to figure out how to get it just right was called the ghost mat. And this is basically a special uh, surface to the top of this mat, which will allow uh, the person to dust a very light um, a degree of powder on the surface. And underneath the surface is a pressure-sensitive alarm. And when something actually makes contact to the surface of this mat, they'll not only leave a print, but they'll also set off this wireless alarm system. Okay. To top that off, what I've done is I thought, well, let me take it a little step further. If I get some incredible evidence, I can take all the photos in the world, but why can't I just hang it on my wall at the end of the day? So if you take contact paper and you strategically place it on the top surface of this mat, anything that presses down, that has mass, that presses down against the surface of the mat, will actually release the powder onto the contact paper. So then you can oh, trim it out. Cool. And you can put it inside a clear protective coating, and then you physically have something that you can hold on to for years. The That's, surface now, of the mat actually will allow you to be able to, to make out a fingerprint. So I was, I was trying to figure out, well, how can we prove that someone touched it from a long time ago that may not be around today? So I need some type of surface that will allow for me to press on it and I can actually see the fingerprint image that I push down on there and it will actually release onto the surface of the contact paper. Then, if you want to get crazy and forensic with it, you could ultimately take this and if there was a criminal or something where you're investigating, maybe you could pull up some prints and cross-reference it to it. Oh, that's pretty interesting. No, seriously, I, I like that idea. I've always believed in, uh, you know, why not try it? I mean, I remember one investigation. Uh, my wife, I wanted a black light, uh, a black light for my investigation. So my wife went to Discovery Store and bought a black light, but it came with a, a little thing, a pen box, uh, and I'm not saying that right, I'm sure. But basically, it's it's like a a bed of nails and if you press on it it goes out on the other side for instance if you put it on your face you could get an impression of your face yeah so i said that's what it's what called pin pressure oh there you go yeah. so anyways yeah. <laughs> i decided uh you know what i'm gonna leave this out overnight and that we locked off this house and uh set up some equipment and we'll see what happens so um the next day uh we came to the house and as we had to, you know, got near the house, we could hear this high-pitched noise. 
uh, you know, made by like equipment. So we had to go in through the bulkhead. We unlocked the bulkhead and, and went up the stairs, and, it, and the, the items were in the kitchen. And as soon as we got to the kitchen door, that high-pitched noise, which I'm sure was created from my equipment, stopped. And then we entered the, the room. I said, oh, this is kind of cold. So I ran over to the pen box, hoping to catch an impression of uh, somebody's face or hand or whatever. But it wasn't. But there were about six pens randomly pushed out throughout the box. I mean, really tiny, single pens. So it was more difficult. You'd have to use, like, a, uh, a pencil top or something like that to push them out. So... Unless we had a tap towing mouse or something, it was uh, the climb that was, you know, it was really interesting to me. So, but uh, yeah. so I'm well with you. I'm, you know, why not try different things? Well, well actually, it's interesting that you talk about. Sorry. Go ahead, Sorry go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, because we got this Skype delay. Um, it's interesting you talk about that um, because it does sound like an experiment that was con- uh, used to be done quite commonly in spiritualist churches back in the 1920s and 1930s um, using, using carbon paper in order to get the spirits to impress uh, either writing or, or hand marks or some other marks onto the carbon paper to leave a permanent impression. Absolutely. So... I just tried to expand on it a little bit, and and because we are living in a field today to where you have to have these bells and whistles and lights and everything in order for it to be impressive, I went ahead and decided, (laughs) let's just make a sound. Let's just let it make a sound. And the interesting thing uh, that we, and I'll, I'll show some of this tonight at the presentation, I'll give some of the evidence, I'll show some evidence that actually has been captured, um, some data that's actually been captured on the mat, as oh, well cool. as um, I have some actual EVP files, because what we have found a numerous times is that the alarm system on the mat, whether it has batteries in it and everything is operational or not, can still be activated. And literally... Um, we have the energies that will mimic the sounds of the alarm, and we capture that on EVP, although we don't hear it with our ears. Mm-hmm. When we record it, uh, when we have our audio review, we find that this alarm went off, and we weren't even using it. It wasn't even on. So how is it? I think that's just fascinating, and that just kind of fuels it for me. It's just like, keep going with it. See what else they can do with it. Yeah, it ha- that's an interesting thought. I mean, I've definitely heard, you know, great messages uh, on all different types of devices, and including a standard telephone answer machine. And, and in fact, uh, our good friend Mr. Kaltz Cooper's book, Phone Calls from the Dead, shows many examples of, of those uh, uh, types of uh, EVPs, right, uh, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in fact, in paracoustics, uh, there's an expanded chapter that deals specifically with with uh, those types of sound events and, and and others that are related to the paranormal, of course. Um, but you're absolutely right. Um, but what's interesting in relation to, uh, it, it, to to sounds is that sounds can also cause movement um, because sound is effectively vibration. And so you do get some very interesting movement effects from, from sounds. In fact, Harry Price recognized that, uh, for example, at the at Borley Rectory, 
uh, the haunting of Borley Rectory, that it might have been the vibrations of the church bells that were causing objects within the rectory itself, or specifically the wires um, on the servants' bells to move. And he, he included in his ghost kit, uh, amongst many other items that were, that were quite old school, including powders that were sprinkled around, um, yeah. a bowl of mercury in order to mm-hmm. be able to look at the... He shone a light on the surface of the mercury and was able to look at the, the vibrations on the surface of the, of the bowl. Yeah, we've actually used a common bowl of water to do the same thing as well. Uh, so when Harry Price did this, did he find that there was a logical explanation for the sound, or was it something else? Well, it's one of those, you know, we're down to the conundrums, aren't we? Price came up with a viable theory as to why, um, but others have challenged it. You know, so uh, he, he, he put forward a very good case that, in, in actual fact, what, we, what you were dealing with was vibrations. And other researchers, too, have studied this, this fact that sound... You were talking about your pin board before, mm-hmm. and that you were saying that there was very high-pitched sound beforehand. Right. Um, now, what I find interesting is high-pitched sound is actually uh, often linked to movements. Um, and I, I'm reminded, I can't remember the name of these, these devices, it's like a drum skin effect, but you can get patterns created by sound waves. Um, right. and you, can, you can take photographs of these, or you can, you can put sand onto a drum skin and vibrate it, and it'll form these intricate, delicate patterns. And I've seen a, an effect where you can make... Um, single objects within within a, a pattern uh, sort of dance and vibrate. And I was wondering, when you were saying about the, the high-frequency sound mm-hmm. that you heard before these pins, whether that had actually caused one or two pins to, to vibrate loose and to start to move. It's interesting you say that, because that was one of the things I had thought about. But um, I, it, it was steady, so it didn't have the vibrational pattern of, uh, you know, why just move those particular pins and not like, you know, a bunch of them together, or uh, you know, that's it, you know, I, I could see where it sound. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest; I would actually actually expect it to move one or two pins rather than uh, a majority of pins, mm-hmm. and it would be, you know, if you could, if you if you had an, an original recording of the sound, um, so you could easily then measure the frequency. You could then yeah, reproduce that would be great, it. But- you could then you could then play it back through a speaker against the pin board and actually see if you could make the pins dance. Right, that's a great idea. Unfortunately, like as I mentioned, that was the sound yeah. was only there when we weren't there. Although we yeah. do have probably have a recording. All right, back to Christy. <laughs> so anyway, so what other uh, types of equipment have you uh, toyed around with? Well, um, I, I, I try to draw some influence most of the time out of just everyday life and watching human behavior and just studying people, live people. And some of the things like I'm going to show tonight is what I kind of have pulled together from studying like different types of energy fields. Um, We're literally trying to communicate with energy and I feel like we also need to kind of give them a little bit of ump, you know, to help help come through and help interact with us when we're doing our investigations but i try to keep it simple um so one of the simplest things that i have built is called the element and this is um the base of this device or this tool that i use is 
got limestone, it's got hematite, uh, quartz in the actual pillars that hold this device up. Mm -hmm. um, I use copper because copper is a great conductor and magnet and I create a natural uh, electromagnetic field, a man-made electromagnetic field. And on these pillars, I, I put like a locket and I hang it down on in between these pillars. So it's generating this little natural electromagnetic field to kind of entice the energies to kind of come over and just kind of observe it. And, and how it works is when they get close enough to it, there's compasses all around uh, all four sides of this. You can actually see the compasses start to move whenever they start to come in and get close to touch the locket. And they can swing the locket, they can rotate the locket. Um, it, it's pretty cool when you're out and it actually gets going and they start to become fascinated because I think as long as you can uh, connect with the energies and you can at least fascinate them in some way, instead of giving them the same thing every single time, it becomes mundane after a while. But when you come at them with something new, something different, they get curious, and they come in, and they try to give it a try. It sounds really interesting, and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing some of this stuff tonight. So it'll be kind of cool. And some of the evidence collected, you're going to be uh, showing mm -hmm. uh, some of the uh, the results of some of these experiments you've conducted. And yeah. uh, you, you have used them in, in various investigations, correct? I have, yes. Yes, I, um, depending on the location that we're going to, um I will kind of base what I'm going to plan to take out for the night. Um, the ghost mat, I usually take on cases where there's heavy claims of footsteps and movement of objects and lights turning on, and I just listen to the claims, place the mat there, and, you know, generally we get some interesting things that happen to it. Um, some of the others um, I take on, like, private cases where people are, a little shaken by what might be happening around them and i just want to try something easy and not too overwhelming for the people the homeowners um so we bring in these simpler concepts that you know they kind of they're curious about themselves and it, it, it creates an, an interesting experience and makes them feel a little bit better about what's happening so, huh. yeah <laughs> sounds so, pretty but cool i'm excited i'm excited to kind of um get people's feedback on it because the more that you put something out there and people come back and they say, well, you know, it's not going to work because of this, and how do you know it's not? That just helps helps you in the long run because you can study what they're saying and you can go back in your mind and you can try to process that and make changes to it and try to improve it. So you are um, open to uh, criticism then? Uh, actually, yes, I am. I, I don't get mad and go stole and hide in the corner. Cut my tail and run in and just not like some I don't people. Do I don't any of that. No, I don't do that. I, I listen to it. I put it in my little bank, and then I go back and I think about it. And I was like, well, okay, how can I work around this? How can we do something that works around this hang-up? Oh, there's the and break. So uh, we actually have to take a break now. Can you hold on for a little bit before uh, after the break, if you don't mind? Sure. Okay. So, anyways, uh, we're. Uh, 
You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Steve Parsons from the UK, Ron Kolick from wherever I am. And we're broadcasting live right here on Tojanet, Perex, Planet Paranormal, Ghost Channel, Radio Crackle. Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And spooky, they all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Kolop, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Ventford Hall, the Downton Abbey of Venice. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. To tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. On TokiNet, ParaX, Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your tune-in app. Or catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. Time for tea, huh? Well, welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles International with a very drugged up and in pain. Van Helsing and uh, if I was drugged way, up I would be a pain you've always been a pain oh that's true anyway it's still part two of Ghost Chronicles you might be listening live or you might not uh, our guest tonight is Christy Parrish might who be dead is, our guest tonight is not might be dead <laughs> our guest <laughs> that was the most ill-timed button I've ever heard our well, guest tonight is might be dead Anyway, tonight's subject is ghost tech. You can tell he's drugged, can't you? 
Sorry, what? Chris. You were telling us about some very interesting. Uh, it's a new take on the on the ghost tech, and it, it's just, it's kind of new school, old school, uh, because some of these experiments I recognise the roots of them at least, and some very original th- thinking going into developing them for for the twenty first century applications. Because you know, as you, as, as, as you pointed out rightly before, Christy, you can't go around to many historic buildings. Um, and throw things all over the floor, or, or use some of these modern items of equipment, which which are um, well, they're, they're certainly intrusive. But a lot of the old school methods of drawing around things with with items of chalk or throwing powders all over the floor is equally unwelcome. So you, you've uh, you've come up with some interesting ideas. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um... I try to um, develop experiments constantly uh, for different places. I try to come up with something, some new concept whenever we go out because I want to be able to see if we can come up with something that um, is fresh enough um, based on, you know, some science, a little science, and just a little simplicity because the equipment these days so intimidating to me, and I'm alive, to watch somebody come in and they've got this, this vest on and then they're carrying this rod and this rod has these cameras and these pups and these audio recorders with these boom mics and stuff like that. And they walk into a room and they was like, can you tell me who you are? And they're look, probably looking at you saying, well, what are you? First off, what is all this? Mm-hmm. If we're trying to talk to someone who's in the past, say we're talking to someone in the 1800s, um, and we walk in and we've got this uh, camera and all these lights and things like that that we're asking them to set off. They don't know hoots from a holler what the heck that is. Mm-hmm. This is completely foreign to them, and I know, and I, the way I look at it, it's just like when computers first came out. People were petrified of these. Some people really were terrified of these things, computers, because they were so complicated, and they didn't want to go anywhere near it. They didn't want to touch it. And through the years, we've evolved, and people, of course, nobody can live without one now, it seems like. Well, you've got to realize, too, that you know when first computers first came out, we were working with the DOS system, which was very intimidating compared to, you know, the single click stuff and voice command stuff that we have now. So we have mm-hmm. simplified, but we've also uh, gotten more uh, sophisticated as well. What's interesting is what Christy just said there, which is the idea that the that the, the spirits that we're trying to communicate with are intimidated by the technology that's being used and by the approach of the investigators. Because actually, if you look at the investigators who are using these, uh, you know, they go in looking like combat SWAT troopers, yeah, and they've got all of this high-tech high kit, they still claim that, the, that they're having these interactions and that the spirits are able to use these very high-tech pieces of equipment in order to communicate. They're claiming that their results are, are are you know very impressive and are substantial evidence. So it, it kind of contradicts what you're saying, Christy. But your approach is is just as thoughtful. Um, and yeah. you know, so you're saying that rightly so that you know the, the, 
you would find, if you were a spirit, that, that you would find these devices intimidating. And yet the people that are using them are saying almost the exact opposite, that the spirit world seems to have adapted to the 21st century better mm-hmm. Better than the living have. In fact, you know, here in the UK, we've got people who claim to have communicated using an electronic device with a with the spirit of a dog. Uh, really? Fa- yeah, absolutely. Uh, very wow, famous. That's a very famous. A very Can famous. We get the dog on the show. Um, we could. Uh, I think we might have some political problems because of the dog's name, um, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, that's a funny this was, name. But nonetheless. Uh, well, the dog was the the uh, was the uh, the pet of a British war hero, the leader of the Dambusters Squadron. Uh, ah, cool! And, and the dog was killed on the night of the raid, and the dog was a black Labrador. And its name, which I'm more than happy to say, because it was a historical fact, still does cause people to have some. There are some political issues now over over the names. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah what is it? Uh, the no- dog's name is Nigger. And that was oh, also okay. the co- that was also the code word for for the operation, um, okay. but it, it actually referred to the colour of the dog, um, because uh, it, it, in French I think the the the, the, the word for uh, black in French is ne- yeah, it's in Negra, Spanish, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's, but, but you know, pe- but people have got a problem with the name. But there is a group of investigators. The dog is buried at the, at the aerodrome um, in Lincolnshire. Um, mm-hmm. And a group of investigators went along there to the graveside where the dog is. And they claimed that the dog had communicated using a... I was going to say it's a K9 meter, but it was actually a K2 meter. And the spirit <laughs> of the K9 dog was, was flashing the lights on the meter uh, and responding in a positive way to their questions. So, you know, maybe the spirits, whether they be dog, whether they be human, maybe they're just technologically way in advance of us. Mm-hmm. So some of these, you know, crazy bobblehead devices that people have got. Um, <laughs> I do think I that um, I, I use the K2 and I use mail meters and I use other measurement devices as well. I mean, I haven't tossed those completely out the window, but mm-hmm. I feel like, more focus is toward simplicity and just use these other devices to kind of also validate what's actually happening in some way. Does that make sense? It kind of helps feel the experience sometimes. Uh If I I was to put a K2 meter uh, next to the ghost mat or put them all around the ghost mat, for instance, and those K2 started going off and I got an impression and we caught it on camera, well, that just makes it a more phenomenal experience. It just helps intensify the experience. Um, but the K2, you know, it's just flashy lights, and it's set off by electromagnetic interference, cell phones, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, we've had incredible sessions with K2 interaction, but I don't think we should just focus on that. We need to focus in other directions, too. Just use that other equipment like the the meters and things like that to help collect some data but let's really focus on simplicity I, I agree totally. Let's let's focus on the simplicity on the simplicity of the measurements and and take devices mm-hmm. that like the K two. This is where we where we I would disagree to take the K two and throw it in the dustbin. <laughs> Uh, because it's not giving, <laughs> it's actually more misleading because what you're, you're giving uh, a degree of credibility to a device that's being misused 
in a way that it was never designed to do and people are just interpreting the results with whatever belief or or fantasy illusion that they want to come up with oh my god it's got four lights on it it must be paranormal <laughs> they they've got yes. no information the source of training and and you know uh, idea behind operating these devices comes from the internet comes from facebook and comes from friends of friends of friends and television you're absolutely right and it they should be thrown in the bin um yeah i mean i think um to me the most meaningful experiences is that of the personal kind the personal experiences we can document EVPs till the cows come home we can document sounds and words and and we can catch video but Really, at the end of the day, it's whatever that person that was there felt and experienced and that emotion that they walked away with, that's what counts. The interaction with the human spirit, the connection, that's what matters. I, I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, you know, going back to your, your mat, uh, it's, it's primarily to catch footsteps, Correct. Or handprints or anything else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do, have you ever mm-hmm. used like a seismic, uh, seismic meter uh, with that? To no, no. I haven't. You know. I haven't even thought about doing anything like that. But I mean, why not? Go for it. We could do it. Here's an interesting experiment you can maybe try, Christy. Um, it goes. It, it, it's from exactly. the era. No, it's from the era of um, of the carbon paper, and it was used in, in a number of uh, seances and in one or two hauntings, which was um, soft wax. Soft, uh, they used dental wax uh, and other forms of soft wax impressions to get the spirit to hopefully leave a, a mark or an impression in the wax, or indeed in setting plaster of Paris. Um, so that's something that may be, may be worth thinking about. Oh, I, I would absolutely try it. I'll definitely, like, study it. Because that's step one, is you have a concept, then you go and you get your information and you try to understand how to make it come to life. And you try to read about it. And, and yeah. um, that way you can you can feel confident in what you're doing. And, and have, a, have a talk to Ron, because he's got the plans for a telekinetoscope he's never built either. <laughs> I've got all kinds of plans for all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I'm still waiting for you to build the telekinetoscope. I can build it, you said. Send we me built, the plans, you said. We built the right off dial, didn't we? Oh, come on. That's some, that all you have to do Ours to build was about so it. much better than yours. Yours is a uh, piece of crap. Uh, that's mainly because mine worked like the original, because it was as good as the original. Because yeah, it's right. so basic. They all didn't you have get is. Baker like cases back then. Uh, that was just to protect it from your grubby hands. Yeah. Well, but all the diode is, I mean, it couldn't be any simpler. It's a, it's a metal wire with a with a, a speaker jack on the end that's wired to a germanium diode, which you can get from Radio Shack for 50 cents. Not anymore. And, and not anymore. But that's it. That's all it is. Um, you know, if you then start elaborating it by putting, you know, lights on it and, and perspex covers and... That's not what it was ever designed to do. It was a small throwaway experimental device that Rowdiva claimed had some uh, better results than than others. So uh, you, when you replicate something, you replicate it as simply as possible, and as accurately as possible. We replicated and used the materials that was available at the time, not stuff that we have nowadays. Well, I used the germanium diode, which is what Rowdiva used, so uh, I think that's pretty close. Back to Christie. Anyway, 
So, so Christy, uh, have you other you got plans for any other new equipment? Oh yes, I do. I have lots of ideas in my head. It's just a matter of buying materials, sitting down, focusing, and putting them into a physical uh, prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, I really uh, am fascinated by studying different types of energy, kinetic energy, potential energy, um, and also uh, lately I've been, I don't know why, but I'm just kind of drawn into trying to learn more about infrasound. Oh, so, that's Steve's, Steve's <laughs> <laughs> you, like, you I have really to... want to try to come up with a simple idea to that's affordable for people to be able to make a piece of uh, equipment to where they can experience the activity that would come from drawing off the infrasound. I, that is one of my goals for an upcoming build. Well, you're talking to the world's leading expert on paranormal infrasound. Which is true. <laughs> he is. Well, uh, no, I am. Seriously. <laughs> Absolutely. Seriously, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, what you talk about, you can actually do remarkably simply, um, with uh, mm-hmm. providing you've got a large drum. Something around about 15, 18 inch. Uh, you go find a, a 16 inch floor tom from from a friend's drum kit and sprinkle mm-hmm. some sand onto the cover. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if you, with a little bit of uh, playing around with the frequencies, you can actually get it to respond to uh, the infrasonic frequencies. So you can visualize what it's doing. You can also use, uh, if, you, if you buy paracoustics, uh, which is available on Amazon. Um, the, there's, there's actually a, an entire, well, several chapters dedicated to infrasound, but one of them actually includes uh, a method where you can use uh, any sound meter or a smartphone uh, or a tablet in order to be able to at least find out whether there's infrasound present. Excellent. Yeah, Steve is actually, he's able to tell you uh, when a bird burps in the Mediterranean from when he's listening in the U.K., <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking. Talent right there, I'm telling you. Well, well, <laughs> I, we can we, we can certainly measure thunderstorms from uh, two and a half thousand miles. We can listen to meteorites entering the Earth's atmosphere. You can count the the number of blades on a helicopter from fifteen miles. Infrasound is it's just sound. It's just sound that we can't normally hear. Mm-hmm. But it's simple so, to predict. Sorry? It's pretty it's a simple thing that that is easily produced. Um it's a very simple thing that's very easily produced. It's it's surrounding you where you are now, it surrounds me here, it's surrounding running New England, um at my only, house. At your house. Um the only problem is that all of the off the shelf equipment that you can go out and buy, um it's been because sound engineers and sound uh, equipment hates low frequencies because it just causes noise and rumble or, and spoils music and spoils our enjoyment of recording sound. So all the equipment's designed to get rid of it. Uh, so there's nothing, you can't just go into a store and say, I'll have that infrasound microphone or I'll buy a microphone to record infrasound because they're all designed, specifically designed to, get, to not record it and not pick it up at all so you've got to sort of go back to square one and think of um think a little out of the box but there's a whole as i said there's there's several chapters in uh, in paracoustics which which 
give you the, the basic tools uh, to be able to study infrasound and um, develop items that can simply demonstrate it's there. You can use a drum skin, as I've said before. You can use a large bottle of water, but it would have to be at least a couple of feet, three feet across, so you're going to need a pretty big surface, a paddled-in pool uh, type surface. Like uh, the state of Texas. Yeah, no, no, no. Three or four feet across. The problem you've got with all of that, though, is, is getting calibrated measurements. Um, you, can, you can certainly detect infrasound very simply, but actually mm-hmm. measuring the frequencies in any, in any sort of uh, scientific way, that's where the, the cost and the complexity uh, really lies. Okay. So, uh, Chrissy, we're going to have to say goodbye to you now. We want to thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. Anything you want to uh, say before we say goodbye to you? No, I just I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'm really looking forward to meeting everybody tonight and mm. open up the discussion about possibilities of what we can do to try to reach out and have these wonderful human experiences with uh, the energies that um, are on the other side. That's it. Mm. Well, uh, we'll see you tonight. I'm also looking forward to some of the, the new pieces of equipment that you have, and I know the rest of the group is as well. So uh, thank you so much for being with us, and uh, we'll see you tonight. I'll see you later. Okay. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye, Chris. Well, that was good. That was interesting. I'm, real, I'm really interested. I'll let you know tonight. Of course, if you really wanted to see, I could Skype her to you and you could actually see where everything was going on. Unfortunately I still have some um, some appointments this week so uh, I have some early starts. Oh, that's a shame. Isn't it? Yeah, just but I, I hope you're, you're going to be taking your checkbook with you because I know what you're like for buying tech. <laughs> she doesn't all, sell the stuff. She designs uh, all, her own. Yeah, but all Christie's got to do is put, to put a couple of LEDs on it and yeah. You'll, you'll buy it. Yeah, but she doesn't do that. She she uses it for her own thing. So anyways, before we started, you said you had a couple things you wanted to mention, and uh, I went on to make sure we got those in before the end of the show. So, Well, uh, I mean, obviously the first one we just did because it was another shameless plug for paracoustics. But on the same uh, vein, well, you know, on the subject of ghost tech um, and your blog, you know, people have asked you lots of questions over the years, and people have asked, one or two people have asked me one or two questions over the years. <laughs> You're so funny. And, um, do you know, I, last year I came over to Spirit Quest and said, I don't have anything to sell. Well, by the time I come over to Spirit Quest this year, there'll be a second book, because yesterday I saw, uh, got the green light for the contracts for Ghostology. So, uh, uh, another boring s- book. Well, is it? Is it all full of technical crap? I, I don't think you'll find it too full of technical crap. Really? I mean, well, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> if we take, if we take, for example, now you'll have to give me your specifications because, as you know, we made the hardback version of Paracoustics spe- specifically for you. After getting the measurements of the wobbly leg on your office table. So you'll have to give me the dimensions of the next book so I can write the right number of pages mm-hmm. um, so that Ghostology is the right size to prop up your office chair. Mm-hmm. I will, of course. I mean, that's why I like about you so accommodating. I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that so, was my news. So, yeah, two books in one year. So, uh, Amazing. What are you going back to I, Ireland? Uh, in the fall, in September, just before I come over to oh, so, okay. But interestingly, I, I was going through Facebook the other day, talking about books, 
Um, and one of my, you know, we go back through a year ago today. Mm-hmm. And a year ago today, I replied to a status post by you saying that you were off to Maureen's to start Ghost Chronicles, uh, Ghost, uh, Ghost uh, Book Two, Ghost Chronicles, Part Two. Uh, so a year ago today. Yep. So how's that getting on then? It's going. It's going. It's a lot of work because I like you know it's not fiction like yours. It's uh, based on reality. So I right. I we have right. to make sure we I get all our T's actually. crossing our dots. I, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, actually, I don't do fiction, but I'm just reminded that on the bookshelf, there's a book uh-huh. called uh, Haunted Hearts by an author called Jessica Raymond. And uh-huh. it's like a it's like a sort of old school romantic novel. Uh, uh, that's sweet. It's sort of like Fifty Shades for Ghost Hunters. Mm-hmm. And it says... Dear Steve, thanks for all your valuable help with my research for Haunted Hearts. I really uh, appreciate it. War- uh-huh. warmest wi- so you see, yeah, you go. So that was. So Maureen was actually uh, the character in the Ghost Huntress uh, is actually based on Maureen. So mm-hmm. there you go. And which character is uh, which? Which ones we based on you? Oh no, the dog. The dog. What in Scooby Doo? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, I have to mention we do have uh, that paranormal study group tonight, and it is Ghost Tech, and Christy Parrish will be there with some of her new inventions, and I'm excited to take a look at it. And if you're listening to the podcast, you've missed it. Oh, that's possible. And, of course, every every first Tuesday of the month, we have our red light seance up at uh, VZ, which is always interesting. That's come along really good, by the way. I, well, these long-term experiments are always the better way. Um, and in fact, a lot of sound circles after they've been, you know, they say that two or three months go by before anything interesting happens. Yeah. But I was reading yesterday some some interesting stuff from the 1940s. Um, we, talk, we, we always associate seances with red lights. But there was a group here in the UK, in north of England, who switched entirely to blue and ultraviolet because really? they... Cl- they claim that the higher frequency light uh, gave the spirits more energy. Hmm. So there's next year's experiment sorted out for you. No, I don't think so. Why? No, why no, is you... it worth... Well, hang on. If red light's worth trying, then why isn't blue light? Because I'm deep green. in the red light. What am I want to be? I've yeah. got to extensively... In, in but once you finish the this... red light, you just waved it's off It's going to take light. years. It'll take years to... Finish the red light. So set up a, a concurrent blue light alternating sessions. I may do that because it's session. just if you if, why not you know, a green light? Why not? A, well, so I, I, well, if you rewind the well, if you rewind the tape for this show back forty seconds, you'll have heard me saying that while you were trying to interrupt me. Yeah, but so you know, I'm saying I can end up doing seances for all colors of lights, well, and that would well, be a Christmas seance. So there you go. Yeah, but why not? I mean, it, it isn't, isn't the experiment just as valid for blue or green? Mm-hmm. Full spectrum. That's what Nathan says. Well, full spectrum is just put the lights on because white light is full spectrum. There you go. Full spectrum. There you go. So you can now put the lights on and call it full spectrum sounds. There you go. Hey, see? This is science in action. We're clever. Yeah, something like that. So anyways... Uh, 
Well, and of course, in August we have the yeah, I know. I, know. I know. I was trying. Which will include a red light science. Yes, thank you for that. Thank you for reminding me that once again you're doing the mance before I get there. Yeah, yeah. Like you did last year. So what's the point? It's just you another know, old you building. You know how much I like that place. No, I don't. You like you should, it? You should, oh, please. Didn't I not spend the whole an entire day bitching at you to take me back to Concord last year to just go see the mance? Yeah, but last time you were there, all you did was make Cal do all the work. Uh, Cal wasn't there last year. Uh, no, the last time we were there, that we did an investigation. Well, you had to give him something to do. Made him do all the work. You just sat around and... Did all the work. Ate uh, cookies and drank tea. D- 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 pardon? That's what I heard. Were you there on a different night than me? No. All right. Anyways. <laughs> God, jeez. Yeah. So we do have to wind it up, and uh, hopefully we'll have a good guest next week because Steve's going to pick it. <laughs> okay, I nominate. I nominate. I've got this really good guy. He uh, goes by the name of Van Helsing in New England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think Never so. had him on the show. Yeah, you're not going to either. Uh, He's very, very elusive. Anyways, we got to go. The pizza's here. The zombies are outside scratching at the door, so we got to go. So. Till next week. Good night. God bless everyone. Good night. God bless. Hope your teeth's better. Yeah. Thanks, good night. No, seriously. Oh, yeah. Well, it's horrible having toothache, isn't it? I mean, it's no fun at all. It's brutal. Brutal. I know. Nobody should. Music's on, right? So, yeah, yeah, but they, yeah, but they can't hear us, so, you know, but toothache is really bad. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law. Secret quiz.